every entrepreneur that's hit a certain level has seen some hardship and hearing how they can deal with it is really gets you through your moments of hardship. Don't stop. Just don't stop moving. Keep making decisions. Keep trying. Keep working at stuff. You'll figure it out. The only time you don't figure it out is when you give up. Welcome to the Joe Momo Presents podcast. This is the Calgary Leader Series. Let's start the show. I am really excited to have my next guest on the podcast. He's the president and CEO of Avalon Master Builder. Welcome to the podcast, Ryan. Thanks, Joe. Looking forward to it. Sweet. So let's just jump right into it. Um, perhaps you could tell the listeners, uh, dear listeners, uh, what you do. Yeah. So um, I'm a residential home builder, um, which means essentially uh, I come up with ideas for what I believe will satisfy a market condition and go find investors, financing, uh, land and make it happen. And uh, that might be in to sell to an end consumer. That might be for a rental project. Um, and sometimes we even build for others. So that's kind of in a nutshell what I do. Awesome. And I did see that you guys have had over 35 years of experience in the industry. Perhaps you could maybe take us back to the earlier days of how you got to where you are today. Yeah, sure thing. Uh, it's actually 40 years as of early next year, I guess. Um, you know, we started in 1983. We're a family company. I'm second generation. Uh, got into it uh, because my father needed some help, actually. It was, uh, it was a funny thing. I never, ever thought I'd be a home builder. Um, started working on site, you know, doing uh, service and construction management. And uh, my sister was in sales at the time. And so we, um, my dad had just separated from his business partner and uh, was doing it all himself. And I was uh, leaving university, not quite sure what I wanted to do. So stepped in to help him. And um you know, between myself and my sister got really interested in sustainability um, in around 2003. And that was when we'd also done a little bit, of, enough of everything to be dangerous. And so we, we uh, found a piece of land in Red Deer and started our own thing with uh, support from my father and um, really went down a path of sustainability and um, and that was kind of where that, that led me into loving what I do. Uh, previous to that, it was something to do. And uh, finding, finding the vision was really what led me to love what I do. Mm, I love that. Speaking on sustainability, I did see that you guys have a net zero building program. Uh, I did see the Zen SQL project uh, a few months back. Yeah. How has Avalon Master Builder become such a leader in sustainable building? Uh, it, it's really been through uh, passion. It's, it's been it's been something when when uh, I took over the company from my father started. Uh, you know, he backed out completely um, in around the beginning of two thousands. Um, we were looking at uh, who were we? Who are we to our customers? And uh, we had a mission statement. We had a vision statement. They were long. They were filled with jargon. 
I didn't know what it meant. Uh, and I don't think it really defined us or, or really helped us know where we wanted to go. So we brought our whole team together and, and really looked at uh, a couple things, customer service, um, which is kind of table stakes, but it's also kind of something you, you, you need to have constant focus on. And we started talking about green building and, and wanted to know if our staff and the people we work with thought that that was going to be something someday. I mean, we've gone through many cycles of green building. Is this going to go anywhere? Is this something that we could be excited about? And, uh, and at the end of the two-day sort of planning session, we came out with, we're going to go down this net zero path. We're not sure what net zero is. We're not sure how to get there. But um, this is something we all feel is, is important and can give us direction. And so that's kind of how we went down that net zero path. We started with a, a vision of building all net zero homes uh, by 2015, uh, all of our homes for no extra cost net zero. Uh, that obviously didn't happen, but it was a big, heritageous goal, something we could strive for and something that started us down the path. So we started building our first net zero home, um, really complex, really kind of crazy ideas. And then every year to two years, simplified, simplified, simplified until we're at where we're at today. Uh, we've got uh, 16 net zero homes that are all townhomes. Um, they're all sold to the public today. And I've got uh, about 150 more net zero townhomes uh, planned for the next two years and you know, kind of growing from there. Absolutely. You had mentioned customer service as well, um, how you guys make a, have a huge emphasis on customer service. I noticed that uh, one of the claims to fame, if you will, is that you haven't had a customer complaints in over 35 years. Oh, and yeah, that, that, one gets, uh, that one gets misinterpreted a little bit. So we haven't had an unsatisfied. So an unsatisfied being from a new home warranty perspective. So we, we do put a lot of emphasis on making things right. We work very hard to do that. You know, like everybody, we've had our challenges and, and uh, you know, we've had customer complaints. We, we do our best to satisfy them. Uh, we've never had them go through, you know, to a point where they get to new home warranty and new home warranty, uh, the programs are with, which is um, backed by you now uh, the Alberta government saying, this is how you must build. We've never got to that point where we haven't already said we're willing to do far beyond what's required of us. When it goes to the, back to those that level, they've gone, well, you guys don't have to do any of this stuff. And in, in fact, we've gone back to houses over 30 years uh, old and helped people out um, because they're our customer. They're still living in this house. That's amazing. And, you know, they needed some help. So um, that one is... Uh, has been thrown at me a few times. It's a funny thing. And I think we're going to revamp that on the website. Uh, but, um, you know, it, it, it is, it, it's very important. Uh, like it, this is a big purchase for your customer. This is a really big deal. Um, there's thousands of pieces that go into it. We know we're going to have some challenges. It's really how we deal with those challenges. It's how we, how we communicate, how we fix things. And, and, you know, we're not perfect by any means, but we do our best. We really do have a culture of let's make it right for that person that's living there. Let's make it right for our customer. And I feel we do a very good job. We track it. We do a lot of work on um, customer service results and uh, and trying to make sure we're at the top of our game. And, and I say that's table stakes because 
every business has customers and every business, if you're not doing a good job by your customers, you're not in business very long. You know, that that's that's a pretty self-selecting way out of business is, is to treat your customers poorly. So um, <laughs> while we focus on it, the vision really became net zero because um, that was something, again, you know, we could be passionate about customer service, but everybody has to be to be in business. The uh, sustainability piece really set us aside from our competitors and allowed us to grow our business in a different way. Well, absolutely. You, you'd mentioned, obviously, buying a home is a big purchase for customers and it's always good to do the right thing. And uh, doing the right thing, actually, I, I also noticed was one of your core values. And yes. doing the right thing means, for me, means that to do what's right, even when someone's not watching you. And that's a show of integrity for, for myself. But what does doing the right thing mean to you? That's actually, uh, that describes it very well with uh, how we've talked about it internally is, well, with nobody watching you, what are you going to do? Do the right thing. And what we try and do is, is empower everybody in our company to say, what's the right thing? If it's the right thing, you're never going to get in trouble for trying it. You're never going to get in trouble for doing it. It may be a different decision than I would have made, but I'm not in the moment. So do what's right for that moment. The other thing we really try and, and one of our mantras is we don't buy our way out of problems. And we have people come by saying, you know, I really, there's, there's something wrong here. I think you should give me a thousand dollars and you guys don't have to fix it and go away. Uh, well, you know what? That's not the right thing. The right thing is that you have a finished product that's correct. Not that I give you some money and you go, okay, well, you know what? I'm willing to live with that problem. That's, that's also not the right thing for us. For us, the right thing is to make sure that you got what you bought, it's done correctly, and sometimes we'll have to come in and fix it. It's unfortunate, but you know, with thousands of pieces coming into a house, we know we're going to have to go back and fix a few things. That's, that's kind of a known thing. We do our best to make it as good as we can, but you know, there's a lot of products that come in and there's a lot of things that can go wrong. I love that uh, integrity there. I think. Totally align with you there. Speaking of problems, though, I'm on this crazy road called entrepreneurship as well. And obviously, there's a ton of problems. You're constant firefighting every day, putting out fires. But uh, what's maybe one thing in your journey so far that's uh, been a big challenge? Or I, I, I hate calling them failures because, because I think there's always a learning opportunity in, in uh, failures. But uh, maybe what's one big challenge or learning yeah. opportunity I mean, you've had? Probably one of the biggest challenges we had was we went into a project um, that wasn't what we do. We do we do mostly suburban townhomes, very sustainable, um, typically focused on the affordable side. We went into an inner city project, did it concrete and steel, very from our perspective, very small project, um, and got hit with if it could have gone wrong, it did go wrong. And the learning was there were so many outs that we should have taken on this project. We should have, we, we found we had soil problems. We should have said, you know what? We can put single family houses on these. They don't have issues. It's just putting a big concrete building that's going to cause a problem. Should have stopped there. But no, you know, market's pretty good. I think we can, we can deal with that. So we pinned this thing to the center of the earth. I mean, Calgary can wash away and this thing's going to be standing there. It's solid. Um, 
So we continued on and unfortunately the market changed dramatically, had a horrendous impact on our company's cash flow. Um, we ended up finding partners, buying a bunch of the units, keeping them on the side. I mean, caused issues almost until today. I mean, it's, it's been a number of years it's caused issues. Um, but what it also did was force us to get closer to our partners, uh, forced us to get closer to our investors, forced us to get closer to our trade partners. Um, you know, we had some cash flow issues. Uh, our trade partners, uh, you know, if we were communicating and we were doing things right, um, actually strengthened the relationship. So through something that went about as bad as a project, can, I mean, the project itself is great, but financially as bad as a project can go, um, also really did strengthen who we are, our, our integrity behind what we say, what we're going to do, and, uh, and our relationships. It, it really strengthened relationships, which seems funny, but challenges seem to do that. You're either going to hit them head on and, and talk to our people and work, work out stuff, or you're not. If you don't, again, you're probably not going to be there very long. If you do, it's amazing how strong relationships can get. And, and it really has changed our company, again, uh, for the better, um, which is funny to say this horrific experience that I wouldn't want anybody to have to go through. But going through that really did strengthen us as a team. Is that resiliency piece? I, I think it's so important in, in, in our journeys as entrepreneurs, bouncing back from challenges. What unique skill would you say, besides resiliency, that you attribute to? your success as a leader or entrepreneur? I think, uh, I don't know if there's, I wouldn't say skills, uh, but I think attributes uh, or attributes to the organization is the right people. Um, you know, as, as one of the leaders in the organization, you can't be doing everything. And you have certain skills that you're good at and you have some things that you're not so good at. The things you're not good at, find some good people, bring them along with you and, you know, it's going to support you to well, it supported me anyway to the nth degree, and really has made things possible. Um, I can't even remember what the the other piece I was going to go to was, uh, <laughs> um, but uh, oh, uh, the other piece was uh, so have the right people on the on the bus on the train, whatever uh, that that are going with you. The other piece I found immensely helpful is to have a group of people who are going through shared experiences. So I have a forum group that I, I work with. Um, they're the most successful go-getters out there. They motivate the living hell out of me. Um, you know, when I'm, when I'm feeling down about something that's going on, they've probably had an experience similar that they can share. When I'm looking at it going, have, you know, are we, being aggressive enough? Are we doing enough stuff? Are we growing in this manner? And I look over at what some of them are doing and going, Oh my God, I really got to step up the game here. Um, having those people that you can look to and rely on and have, you know, conversations with that's also really changed uh, our company. Uh, and I, I would really encourage anybody to get involved with a uh, peer forums. Uh, it, it's, it's an amazing thing. No, absolutely. I think you, you hit the nail on its head. Just surround yourself with good people. Uh, I always say you're the sum of the closest five people around you. So make sure you surround yourself with a good team. But for you personally, Ryan, what's, what does success look like? Whether it be personally, professionally, what's your sort of 
success metric? Yeah, it's it's funny. I mean, uh, different people talk about it different ways. People talk about it monetarily, you know, and certainly there's an aspect of money, and that's great. But once you kind of hit a a level of money, is it is it completely about money? Probably not. And and it, for me, it's always been this vision of building that zero, building it affordably, bringing it to the market in, in a mass. And I'm really excited that you know probably 20 plus years of my career have been focused on that and we're actually getting to it today. That's, that's just such a huge milestone for me to say we're doing projects of net zero. Um, that's really been my passion to, to get that to happen. Um, you know, on the new side, I would like to see that on the renovation side. That's kind of the next thing that's going to drive me forward. And, uh, and then I think it really comes down to, also meeting the needs of our team. So, you know, bringing up that next generation of leadership, bringing that new group in who hopefully are going to do it way better than I did. You know, I can hopefully share some things. They can bring some new experiences in and, and, and drive us even far, further forward. Um, I really enjoy, I mean, chasing the deal is fun. Um, so, that's also what keeps driving me to do things is like every new deal is a new opportunity to do something fun and different and exciting. And, um, and every, every time, every seems like every four or five years, we're forced to reinvent and the way we do things. So, you know, five to seven years ago, we did everything ourselves. Then we did some joint venture projects. Now we do most things with partners, build some things on the side for others. Uh, we brought in rental projects recently. Um, you know, I look forward to leaving the province, uh, going into BC, potentially doing some work in the US. Those are all things that I think could really be looked at as, you know, is that success? I think success is having fun doing it. Um, that's probably success is, is wanting to come in and wanting to keep doing this and wanting to um, keep expanding and keep growing just because you enjoy the work of doing it. Absolutely. I always say, uh, if you're not growing, you're, you're dying. So <laughs> always always keep building, try and get 1% better every day. And just try and just, yeah, just try and follow your, follow your passions, follow your um, vision and who knows what might happen in the future. So, well, And, and uh, the other piece is to, to always have a vision. Uh, like, so we have the net zero vision, but always be put, always be striving for something. It's easy to get in a rut and just kind of do what you do. Um, and kind of stop there because, well, you know how to do it. It's relatively easy and everything else, but to have that big overarching drive to try something new, to, to, to push into things you haven't done before. Um, I think it both invigorates, uh, and, and excites me to keep going, but also the business. It it allows for us to hire new people, bring new people in, the people have been here a while to grow and, and move up and, and be able to keep that, that culture within your organization. Absolutely. I love that energy, just that energy to make you jump out of bed in the morning. and want to attack the day, conquer the day. I love it. Yeah, it's, it it's not all the time for sure. I've had, uh, I've had the, I don't want to get out of bed and I don't want to do this anymore, but um, you know, you get, you go away for a vacation. I, I was just away for a vacation and I came back and I'm like, there was 
two or three things I just couldn't stop thinking about. I want to get into the office. I want to enact these things. I want to move on some of this stuff. And uh, so it's usually, you know, you, you do get tired, you get drawn down, but if you can step away and get reinvigorated for a week or something and come back, uh, yeah, I find that uh, I do want to be here. I, I even, even when you feel like ah, it's hard to get out of bed because I know I've got to deal with these would seem insurmountable at the time problems, but they're also kind of fun once you've surmounted them. <laughs> <laughs> That's what makes it exciting. I, I always like to say uh, one, one question I didn't want to ask you though, was uh, like you had mentioned, you've you're coming up in 40 years in business. How has Calgary changed when you first started to, to now? Well, we've, we've, we, we started our company in Red Deer. Um, and only moved to Calgary probably about 25 years ago, but the complexity of what we do has increased hundredfold. It's it's shocking the regulation, the um, sort of the barriers put in place to do what I do, and for people to get into this business new, um, it's very difficult today. It's it's shockingly difficult in what should be relatively a straightforward thing. Um, it just isn't anymore. It, it, it's, it's gotten to the point of a little bit of a ridiculousness when you look at the cost of a house and how much of that is regulatory burden onto the house. And, you know, the amount of talk about affordability and why are, you know, why are houses so unaffordable? Well, it's, it's pretty easy to point to one spot uh, and say houses are unaffordable because we've made them unaffordable. We've intentionally, through policy, made our houses unaffordable, um, and uh, and that same regulation that makes them unaffordable also puts so many barriers into people getting into the industry and having the opportunity to start their own thing. Um, you know, there still are people doing it, and it's awesome to see. And uh, but it's it's really the only way now to do it would be to start working for somebody to figure out all those barriers and then jump in. Whereas 40 years ago, a person, if you wanted to be a home builder, well, you started building houses and if people bought them, you continue to build houses. Um, today it's by no means that easy. <laughs> um, I only have a couple more questions here for you, for you, Ryan. Uh, what's maybe something that you've read or listened to recently? that has inspired you? Yeah, it, you know, it's uh, be more uh, listened to and, and it's where I get a lot of my inspiration is through other entrepreneurs' stories, um, how they did things, how they, much much like the questions you've asked me of what was the struggle that you've gone through that's, that's uh, changed your company or, or, you know, forced you to reevaluate or, or change the way you do business. Um, and so... I like both podcasts that kind of go down that path or um, actually again, through my forum, I get to meet with those types of people and have that uh, discussion in person. And we were just on a uh, forum retreat where we had different people in to talk to us about their business and, and sort of the, the times where everything was falling apart and how did you figure that out? And that's, that's kind of the, uh, the big piece for me is, is every entrepreneur is going to go through either struggles where everything's falling apart and nobody's ever seen this before. Well, uh, ever, you know, 
every entrepreneur that's hit a certain level has seen some hardship and, um, and hearing how they can deal with it is really gets you through your moments of hardship. And no, you know, just even the don't stop, just don't stop moving. Keep making decisions, keep trying, keep working at stuff. You'll figure it out. The only time you don't figure it out is when you give up. Love that. You'll figure it out. Don't give up. <laughs> you keep hammering at something, you figure it out. No, that's so true. What's, uh, what's maybe one question that you never get asked that you wish you would be asked? Yeah, it's probably, uh, probably again around, around our sustainability and like why the question I actually I'm surprised I'm not asked more is why are there not more homes being built to a sustainable level, like to a, a net zero to a near net zero to, um, and, and again, uh, you know, for me, it, it becomes policy driven. Um, people don't, unfortunately don't understand net zero. They don't understand highly sustainable housing. They don't, a lot of people don't understand their energy bill really. Um, and what it costs them monthly. They know they've got one. They know what's going up right now pretty significantly, but they really don't put that into the cost of owning their house. Energy bills and houses, those are two separate things. And in reality, they should be one. In reality, there's, there's a lot of ways where our, uh, our government could look at it and say, you know, if, if you look at your house as a cost of ownership on a monthly basis, um, right now net, we're building net zero homes that will cost you no more monthly. Um, that would be great for our government to go and push that knowledge to the average home buyer because me saying it, okay, well, I've got a vested interest on trying to sell houses. Can my numbers really be believed? Um, you know, we've, we've tried to bring third parties into it to say, well, this is, this number is from NMAX, this number is from over here, but still to have somebody push that, I, I think, that's a really big piece. And I think the, the other side would be, um, in my mind, net zero houses should be less money per month than the normal house. And that could be easily done by a 30-year mortgage um, opportunity. All of a sudden, you, yes, you're going to pay a bit. You know, like Long-term, you do pay more. Um, but your monthly cost, your monthly bill is going to go down. And I think we'd have a lot more interest in um, people buying these houses, um, you know, asking for these houses, if people understood either, yes, that my energy bill can, can be, should be included with my monthly house cost, and it can be zero differential if you build net zero to, it potentially could be a lot better. And so I think that's, you know, people, people definitely talk about sustainability. People are interested in sustainability. Um, but when it comes to their house, people don't know a lot about their own house. And it, it's uh, unfortunate that, that it's the case. We, we do really work hard to educate people. Um, but our touch points are kind of when you're buying a house, okay, you know, if you're buying an energy efficient house, here's what you get, here's how it runs. But people still are very excited about the, the getting into my home. And so a lot of times when your touch point is, I'm turning over your keys to you on, I'm too excited to listen to anything you've got to say. I, I'm going to move into my home. I love this place. It's new. Look at the gap. It's look at this. And so it's, it's really hard to, even when you've sold somebody a sustainable house to get across what you actually have purchased, how wonderful it is. Um, 
so yeah, really around that, uh, education around sustainability, education around sustainability as a home and the opportunities people have out there. Um, and it's just really not well known yet. And, and it's a little unfortunate because it, it's, it's a huge proportion of our energy use in Canada is straight down to the residential house. Mm. And we can make a very big difference. Um, very simply. <laughs> so for any listeners then uh, looking or interested in buying a, a net zero sustainable home, uh, yeah. what may be key piece of advice would you give uh, in that process? Um, key piece would be look for somebody who's trained. Uh, so if they're saying they're doing net zero, are they, uh, so there's a net zero um, coalition uh, through uh, Canadian Home Builders Association. They do training. They verify the house is net zero. If you're not getting that, you're probably not getting what you think you're getting. Um, you know, it's the knockoff or I don't need to do that. Uh, I'll, I'll give you the same sort of thing. Eh, not really there. Um, so verification and standards, I think, are fairly important. Um, if you're looking for a net zero house or, or near net zero or a sustainable house, I'd also suggest you look at the non-sexy things. So the sexy thing is the shiny photovoltaic panels sitting on your roof. That's everybody gets what that is and they love it. Um, the non-sexy thing is building a better wall, putting better windows in, um, lower air changes, better air quality. Those are the things you start with. And I find so many times people want to jump to that sexy uh, photovoltaic because that's, that's what my friends see. And you can't see what's, you know, you're, you can do a foot deep wall full of insulation, but really does it look any different than a normal wall? Um, not really. Once you live in one, you'll love it, but, um, but it doesn't look like anything. And that's really, again, a hard sell for people to say, I'm going to invest that much money into this stuff that you can't see because it's more important than the stuff you can see. You can always put solar panels on a house. That's easy to do later hard to do later is I need my wall to be another third more insulated, really hard to add later. Um, I need my house to be airtight, really difficult to do later, really easy and relatively affordable to do up front. So look at the, do the right things first, find a builder who's got the right training and, um, and really anybody who's got the right training, should be able to do a very good house. They understand building science and that's probably the biggest challenge out there is, is finding somebody that understands if I do this, it impacts this. And um, if you've got the right training, you've got the designation, you're going to, that builder is going to do fantastic. Mm, I love that. It sounds like do the unsexy things first and then I'll pay dividends <laughs> later. Uh, I love that. Uh, only a couple more questions here. Uh, what's maybe something that you're proud of that we haven't touched on in the interview so far? I kind of touched on it, but it's really the team. It's, it's the people I work with. It's, uh, you know, I, I do a very small bit of what we do, you know, and, and I fortunately have been able to morph my position into exactly what I love to do and is exciting for me and I'm good at. And I'm not good at all the aspects in our business. And we have great people. I've got great partners within my company um, who've really driven things forward that I'm not good at. 
And, uh, and so it's really those people who've brought it together. And I, I, I think it's really important to recognize that it, you know, it's not one person who does this. It's, it's, it is a team and it's having that right group of people an excited group of people who all understand where you want to go. And uh, if I had to do it myself, all myself, we'd be very small doing three or four houses a year because I don't have some of the skills I need to make it to do the 300 we're going to do this year. So I love that. Uh, where can our listeners connect with you online? Uh, LinkedIn for me. Um, but our company is on all the socials uh, from Facebook to Instagram to Twitter to whatnot. Um, LinkedIn is probably one that I stick to more often than not. Um, and then I try and be, I try and, um, be involved as much as I can with our local association, our, um, I, I, uh, we're a past chair of our, um, home builders association. So I do a lot of work with that and some of our sustainability committees. Awesome. And I'll put those links in the show notes. So guys, go reach out to Ryan if you, if you want to pick his brain. Uh, it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast. It's been a pleasure having you on the podcast, Ryan. I hope it's uh, been as fun as for you as it has for me. So um, it's, it's been a pleasure. I always end the, the podcast or interview with one last question. And since this is a leadership uh, interview podcast, my last question to you, Ryan, is what does being a leader or leadership mean to you? Being a leader means um, that you've created a path that other people can come with you on. Um, so you're not necessarily... At the forefront of it, you're bringing other people together to achieve a goal. And I think if you can bring the right people together, pretty much any goal is achievable. And that's really it. Is uh, I've, I've picked our goal of net zero. Uh, or actually, I didn't pick it. Our, our group picked it. And, uh, and we've continued down that path. And um, so it's, yeah, bring the right people together and, and uh, have the right vision and you can do it. Hi, I'm uh, Ryan Scott, and you're listening to Joe Moma Presents. Thanks again for watching the Joe Momo Presents podcast. For more episodes, check out joemomo.com slash podcasts. All right, see you next time. <laughs>